the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. It's chad at chadburton.com. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of a person that is investing $73,000 each year that in a combination of the 401k Roth and the backdoor Roth IRA, and that $73,000 each year is going to grow tax-free forever in Roth accounts. Got that later in the show. Also got some ID theft and a car theft financial issue that we're going to deal with. But first, Let's go over a market update because March, well, March madness, right? March has been a wild ride with these banking issues. And make sure you listen to the podcast that I did last week on FDIC insurance and how it works and a touch on SIPC insurance, which is what firms like Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade hold in case there's an issue of theft and, and other issues like that. Not, not decline in value protection, but theft and other issues that people worry about. Um, you know, if you have a trust account, for example, or at a bank with a lot of cash and you have more than one beneficiary, or you have a savings account that you add a transfer on death provision or payable on death provision, which is adding beneficiaries, you can get more than 250000 of FDIC insurance in an account. And it just blows my mind that the government isn't doing some more education on this because People get scared and they're, you know, causing these issues on banks that wouldn't have necessarily had them. So make sure you check in on that. Um, check this out for March. The, the NASDAQ was up 6.75%. And you're thinking to yourself, well, didn't we have all these banking issues? Yeah, but interest rates dropped because we went from just above 4% on the 10 year treasury to around 3.5%. That's a large decline. This has been the most volatile year in the 28 and a half years that I've been doing this on the 10-year treasury. More than taper tantrum and any, every, anything else. Now, it's, it's, the taper tantrum was a big increase in interest rates back in, I think it was like 2013. This has been a big increase, a big decrease, a big increase, a big decrease. It's been all over the place. But what it's showing is that when the 10-year treasury gets above 4%, that's when you want to can definitely add to bonds because when you, when the interest rate drops, the bond values go up plain and simple. All right. Now this has just been really a tech rally 
back from the just smackdown that they received in 2022. All right, because if we first look year to date, let's look, let's look at some of the main indexes in the stock market. How are we doing for the year with all of this rough news between continued issues with Russia and Ukraine and the bank issues with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature and First Republic's problems? S&P 500 is actually up for the year so far. All right. But first, let's look at the NASDAQ because the NASDAQ is tech heavy. There is the same stocks, many of the same stocks in the NASDAQ and the, or in the S&P 500. It's just a different weighting. It's going to be more weight towards tech companies. So for example, if you look in the NASDAQ, cause you hear it on the news all the time. So let's, let's talk about it again. If you look in the NASDAQ, 12.5% of the weighting is in Microsoft, 123 is in Apple, 6% is in Amazon, 5% NVIDIA. Between the two Googles, it's 7%. You got Tesla, 3.5%, Meta, which is 3.5%, and so on and so forth. So it's a, a it's not an equal weighted index. A lot of the money is in the top 50 companies, and most of those are tech besides Pepsi and Costco. Right? Um, if you look at the S&P 500 and the holdings there, you still have 7% in Apple and 6% in Microsoft, 2.6% in Amazon, but it's below 2% on all the other positions. And there's financials and some others and there's, you know, Chevron's in the top 50, for example. So many of the same companies, it's just the NASDAQ is much more weighted in tech. And so for the year, the NASDAQ is up 16.73%. If you look at an ETF like Vanguard Growth, VUG, which is an ETF that we own. We want to tilt to large cap growth. It's three, 13.6% return for the year so far. Guess what's next? And some of the indexes that we talk about the iShares MSCI EFA ETF, which is international developed EFA total return so far this year, 5.51%. The S and P 500 right now sits up 4.71% for the year. So not bad, despite all of this news. I mean, heck, if we do that again quarter by quarter, it'd be an amazing year, right? Well, we've got a lot of issues to deal with here. We've got the debt ceiling. We've got the Federal Reserve. Will or won't they raise interest rates after the banking issue? They need to, if you look at it in terms of inflation and the job market. Really, what needs to happen is the government needs to you know, actually sit here and do something because we've got a lame duck president in Congress, and it's just you know nothing is happening. But... Despite that, we have 4.71% return for the year. Now, bonds actually positive per year by 2.36%. If you look at small cap as a whole, iShares Russell 2000 ETF, IWM, that's up 1.31%. That's small and mid cap. Emerging markets up a half a percent. If we look at the S&P 500 equal weighted, that's where if we look at the largest 500 companies in America, and you have a dollar invested in each one, essentially, so it's the S&P 500 holdings, but it's equal weighted. It's not 7% in Apple and 6% in Microsoft. It's equal weighted across all stocks. That's up 0.3%. That's a better idea of how the market's doing if we look at all of the companies combined. And then it's a year where last year value drastically outperformed growth. So far this year, value, if you look at VTV, is down 3%. Or like I mentioned before, VUG, Vanguard Growth, is up 13.6. So a lot of that just has to do with the tech rally. And why did the tech rally so much, especially last week? I think it was up 6.75%. 
Well, as rates dropped, tech is trading inverse to interest rates because technology stocks, if you look at the price to earnings ratio, they all look expensive, but yet they have the fastest growing revenue. And so they're typically valued with a discounted cash flow model. And the lower the rate, the higher the valuation, right? The higher the rate, the lower the valuation. So they're acting very inverse to interest rates. Now, if we pull out of this and you believe interest rates are going to eventually go up and you're overweighted in certain tech, it's a good time to start trimming. If you have a huge amount in a single stock, there's other ways to do that. As I mentioned, I could do a whole show on things like covered calls and, and you know, very strategic ways to start liquidating a highly concentrated position. But that's, that's for another time. Now, is the market cheap right now? We're a few weeks away from earnings, so we'll have more an idea on that. Uh, Strategist, which is a global macro firm, macro, you know, economic strategy style firm that asset allocators use is still pricing a 75% chance of recession in the next two years. So far, it seems like mild rolling recession like we had in the early nineties, where it kind of hits us one industry at a time. Right now it's, you know, in the world of real estate and in, uh, you know, obviously the tech sector with a ton of layoffs going on. It's just over hiring. The forward 12 month PE ratio for the S&P 500, according to FactSet, is 17.1. That's below the five year average of 18.5 and below the 10 year average of 17.3. So all things being equal, it's not, you know, out of whack. The trailing PE ratio is 20.32. Now, if we look at recessions, let's, let's not look at 2008 and 2009 because I don't see something like that happening right now. I mean, to me, what's going on in the bacon industry is showing things are better and rules are tighter, despite the outliers like Silicon Valley Bank, where where were the regulators there, right? But P ratio during the, the 1990 was 14.8 during that kind of you know recessionary time. So think about that. You got the debt ceiling, the Fed raising rates. The ECB still rose raised interest rates despite their issues, 10% inflation. Our real inflation is coming down. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Just like Michael here did. And by the way, so even though those in California can um, extend their tax return without a lot of major issues, yeah, look into that if you're worried about the April deadline. You still need to get your IRAs, Roth IRAs, and things like that funded. Michael sent an email and he said, would you please educate me on the 401k to mega Roth conversion that you mentioned on your podcast? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to concentrate on this to for age 50 and older right now, because that's the typical person that I see able to max out their 401k deferral and then some. It's typically, you know, a lot of times it's two incomes. It's kids done with college and that drain on the budget is gone. They're off on their own and, and people are trying to catch up on the retirement. And because if the, the 401k deferral amount out of your paycheck, if you're under 50 is 22,500, but in, in 2023, if you're 50 or older by the end of the year, it's an extra 7,500 bucks. So that's 30 grand you can defer 
into your 401k. And the first thing to note is that even though there's a maximum deferral out of your paycheck limit, the IRS says that for a person that's 50 or older, the total that can go in for all sources is 73500 So in a 401k plan, you have several sources. You have your paycheck deferral, you have your employer match, you have employer profit share, and then there's something that most people don't know about because it's not available in all plans. There's an after-tax contribution that you can make into the 401k. And it grows tax-deferred, and when you take that after-tax contribution out, if you don't do anything inside the plan, it's you pay taxes on the growth but not on the, the amount that you put in. So in, in this situation, this is a person that's making $200,000 a year. And, um, you know, they're, they're in this case, they're getting a bonus of 20,000 a year. So their total comp is $220,000 a year. This is a real life situation that we just did for a client. Um, and so, so they're 50 years old. So by the end of the year, they're going to put in $30,000 into the deferral pre-tax deferral account. Now they could choose to put that $30,000 into the Roth 401k bucket as well if they don't need the tax deduction. Let's say you're a person that's, uh, you're well on track for retirement, but everything you have is pre-tax. And so you're like, all right, I'm just going to go pay the taxes now. I'm going to put $30,000 a year into my Roth 401k. Okay, so the employer match in this situation, if they're doing 4% of pay, which is very common in 401k plans, they're going to get an $8,000 employer match. So that's a total so far of deferrals and match of $38,000. But remember, the total contribution limit is $73,500 in this scenario. That's what the IRS allows to go into a plan. So this person is, I think, uh, I believe this one is a Genentech, but if you're at Cisco, Apple, um, Intuit, um, gosh, I'm trying trying to name all of the companies right off the top of my head and, and I can't, but there's so many companies that have this after-tax contribution available in the plan and people don't know about it. Now, the trick here is that the after-tax contribution, if he's put in so far $38,000 between deferral and the $8,000 match, and the total contribution limit is $73,500, there's $35,500 available to go in after tax. And guess what? Most of these plans allow you to convert that after tax contribution into the Roth 401k bucket right away. Some plans automatically do it. As soon as you make the after tax contribution, there's a drop down box when you sign up for this that says convert immediately to the Roth. So in this scenario, if the person was putting money into the plan, they could be putting $30,000 away pre-tax and get a deduction for it. $35,500 into the after-tax, which immediately converts to the Roth. So they could be getting in $30,000 growing tax-deferred. That gives you a tax break, $35,500. That grows tax-free forever in the Roth. All right. And again, some plans allow it to auto-convert where that after-tax contribution immediately goes to the Roth. Or other plans, uh, people have to call on a monthly basis or submit a form on a monthly or quarterly basis to have that conversion done. And you got to keep an eye on it. There was one client that I was helping it into it that um, they completely botched the first one. 
didn't do it right and had to kind of redo everything. But they've been able to get a huge chunk of money over the last two years doing it, growing tax-free forever. So that's powerful. So the first step is finding out from your employer. And a lot of times it's either HR or calling the 800 number on your statement. So um, Fidelity, it's typically pretty easy. You can log into a Fidelity 401k and usually on the contributions tab, you can see if an after-tax amount is available. It's called a mega Roth 401k. It's because you're putting after-tax money in, converting it immediately to the Roth 401k bucket. This is typically a tax-free event. The only time it's a taxable event, if you put the money into an after-tax account, it sits there for a month before you can submit a form um, or make the call and the market grows during that period of time. When you do the conversion, you'll pay a little bit of taxes on the growth. You'll get a 1099 at the end of the year showing that occurs. That's not a big deal. It's totally worth it. So if you can imagine the situation, this person's trying to, you know, create after uh, totally tax-free money, they could be putting their $30,000 deferral into the Roth and the $35,500 after tax contribution also goes into the Roth. That's 65,500 growing tax-free every year for the rest of their life. And if those of you are out there seeing ads or people trying to talk you into investing in life insurance policies because they grow tax-free, that would be a stupid, stupid, stupid idea before doing something like this. Most people, that's a terrible idea anyway, so don't fall for that. Now, in addition to this, if a person didn't have any other IRAs, this person makes too much money to fund a Roth IRA directly because your joint modified adjusted gross income has to be under 214000 or actually 228000 in 2023. So it actually might qualify. But if they don't, they could do a backdoor Roth IRA for $7,500. That's when you open an IRA, you fund it with $7,500, you email your CPA to say, Hey, I make too much to deduct this IRA. Uh, so it's an after, it's a non-deductible contribution, which means the CPA has to file a form 8606, notify the IRS that you made this non-deductible contribution. You open up a Roth IRA, you fill out an IRA to Roth conversion form with that same custodian. The money moves over from the IRA to the Roth. As long as you have no other IRAs, including SEP or simple IRAs. It's a tax-free event, and that's the way that people that make too much money to directly fund a Roth can fund a Roth. So in this scenario, if they had 30000 going into the Roth 401k bucket, 35500 after-tax contributions going into the uh, Roth 401k, and $7,500 into a backdoor Roth, this couple could be between, and this, just this one person could have $73,000 growing tax-free forever in Roth money. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kids' college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. 
You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com. And please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. A couple of interesting ID theft situations that uh, came into play in the last month that I wanted to tell you guys about. Um, one of them is, uh, seems a little bit more advanced and I didn't realize this was going on as much, but Janet wrote to one of our advisors, Dan Fetterman, he's a certified financial planner practitioner, um, in, uh, a Redwood Shores office and up in Marin. Um, she notified that uh, Dan, that her car was broken into and the registration was stolen and the insurance card was also stolen. And of course the garage door was built into the car, right? With a home link kind of feature. You push the button up on the, uh, you know, top of the car and, and your garage door opens when you get home. So besides figuring out how to reprogram that, because when I get a, a new car or a new device, I know how to, you know, push the button up on the garage door opener and link it to the device. But how do you unlink a device that's not near you? That's an interesting question that I didn't have time to look up. Now, Janet sent Dan a pretty great link that um, after a bunch of research that she did that um, it was if you Google SeriousHomeSecurity.com, uh, why thieves steal car registration. So um, SeriousHomeSecurity.com, why thieves steal car registrations. Um, a thief will steal a car registration to get the car's vehicle identification number, the VIN. Thieves use the VIN to make duplicate keys, make false insurance claims, or learn about the specifics of the car before stealing it. Crazy, right? So you've got on your insurance card, you got your name, address, all that kind of information, and you've got the VIN. Potentially, especially if it's an older car, it might be possible to get some sort of a locksmith to duplicate the keys order a new key fob or whatever it may be. And so here's some of the steps that Janet took. She, she did an outline really, really good. Obviously she notified her insurance company and opened a claim. The car was stolen. This was interesting. She contacted their local Audi dealer and discussed what would happen if somebody pretending to be us were re- to request a key to be made for our vehicle. Also, if there was a way to put a flag on our account regarding the theft and the answer is no, and that Audi had run into this more and more often. They're very strict that if the ID doesn't match the registration in every single way, the order for the key will not happen. And if it were to happen, it takes three weeks to get the key. And the car would actually need to be brought in or towed to the dealership so that the key could be programmed to the vehicle. So it also teaches you don't have an extra key on the vehicle, right? Now, they put a freeze on their TransUnion, TransUnion Equifax and Experian. That's one of the first things you do when you get any sense of ID theft is you put a freeze so that somebody can't just go open a credit application anywhere. They make sure all the doors are at home are locked, especially around the garage. They made sure that they have cameras and batteries being charged in those cameras around the house trying to look at a reprogram the garage door opener, even though it was built in. They removed garage door openers, registration, and insurance information from all the other cars. Now, if you get pulled over, and unfortunately, going a little fast one time and I got pulled over, didn't get the ticket, but I was able to pull up my insurance card and registration on my phone and it worked just fine. Okay. They also contacted the DMV to report that the registration was stolen and to order a replacement. And then they made a report to the police. And it's been quite an ordeal. 
Now, before I get into the world of ID theft insurance and other things to do, I've got another client, um, you know, pushing into the 80s. And he sent me an email two weeks ago. Um, because when we have a client that has some sort of a fraud alert, we manage people accounts. It's their accounts at either TD Ameritrade, Schwab, or Fidelity. So that's where we, the people keep their accounts there. They get their statements from there, but we just are, are signed on in order to trade the account and, you know, help them with all the other account administration issues. And so when we get an idea that a client has had a potential ID theft, we can put a fraud alert on all those investment accounts. Now it's very safe to have investment accounts at firms like that because any money out, it can't be just an email or something. It has to be verbal, has to be to a linked checking account in the same name. There's all sorts of, of safety features on that. So he, he types in, he, he sent me the, this email and, and luckily he had ID theft insurance through Xander because there was an issue that he dealt with years ago. And, and I said, okay, let's go get some ID theft insurance so they, they can monitor it for you, monitor the, the dark web for your information, things like that. So he wrote to me, he said, on the 1st of March, I received a cell phone message from Wells Fargo saying that a questionable transaction had occurred at Target by someone using my Wells Fargo credit card. So this was one of those text phishing messages. And there's a phone number, which I called. And when they asked for my social security number, I gave it to them. Unbelievably stupid, he says. And I still don't understand why I did it. So it was almost like he knows not to do this stuff, but it was kind of a lapse and like an immediate reaction without thinking. And maybe, you know, maybe just getting, getting a little older, too many things going on, distracted, uh, recent health issues, not thinking as clear as usual. But as soon as they asked for my bank pin number, that's when it hit me that this was a scam and I hung up immediately. I can't, I can't imagine how he felt the heart just sinking knowing you just screwed up. So I immediately called Xander and reported the incident to one of their agents. Uh, he said an agent from CDIS would phone me the next day. That happened. He gave me the agent's name here of Samantha. Samantha said that they now have a file on me and it would be mon- and they would be monitoring the situation. A few days later, she left a message for me to call her on March 20th, which I will do. So I haven't heard about that. That was a couple of days ago, obviously recording the show on March 22nd. So, um, I, you know, I also emailed him and said, Hey, you know, change your bank account numbers, go into the bank, let them know what happens and get new bank account numbers. Um, some of the steps that you want to take if you have a situation like this, if you go to USA.gov or just, just Google USA.gov identity theft, there's a list of things that you can do. And I haven't updated kind of my thoughts on ID theft insurance. Um, I still use Xander, but since I bought that years ago, I, I feel like LifeLock has approved, improved quite a bit. Um, the password service that I use also have some dark web monitoring information. So if you have not yet used some sort of a password service where you have one master password, that's, you know, doesn't make any sense. You can't tell by Facebook what your dog's name is and your name of your kids and your birth date, which most people use for their password. You generate a very, very difficult one single password they can remember. And then you have to have a dual authentication system to get into your vault. And then the, the system also helps you create very difficult 
you know, 12 plus character passwords to, because we're, we're all having to update passwords every 90 days on all these different accounts. It's very difficult to keep up with. And unfortunately, I run into way too many people that keep a list of passwords right next to their computer in their home. Now, if we go back to what Judy just talked about, or I'm sorry, Janet just talked about with her car theft, if the car was stolen and then they use the garage door opener to get in the home and somebody has their passwords right next to their computer, you're really up the creek. You have a massive problem that you're going to be dealing with for years. I mean, that's, that's, that's an ongoing issue. So you've got to get out in front of that. And especially if you have older people in your life, there's ways to do these password systems where you can, you know, do a shared vault, for example, so you can help mom, dad, grandpa, grandma keep their items secure. Also make sure your computer is less than three years old and very secure and has some sort of a you know system on it. Because these phishing attempts, these um, phone calls, um, I mean, they're getting better and better. Usually an email, a bad email is pretty easy to spot because there is misspellings and bad grammar and you never click on any links in an email for any bank at all. You always just log in directly if you think there's an issue or call your bank's 800 number, not the email or phone number that's on your phone or your text message. You go and find the actual phone number and then you call in. You never click. Never click on links and emails, period. And I mean, we get emails all the time that make it looks like it's coming from, let's say, our president or CFO, not all the time, but once in a while. And it looks like it's the spoof situation where it looks like it's coming from a, an individual. But if you hover over the name, you see the real, real email address and it's it's not them. So you got to be careful on this stuff. It just takes one just kind of, you know, lapse in judgment or, or not paying attention. And all of a sudden your information's out there on the dark web. Now, there's a lot of great articles on ID theft and monitoring services that you might want to check out. CNET has one. Uh, Nerd Wallet has a really, really good one. Costco has a discounted plan. And often your homeowner's insurance has an option. As, as we've talked about before, with this inflation that's gone out there, gone on out there, the cost of rebuilding a home or repairing a home has gone up massively in the last five years. Most people that we run into are underinsured on the homeowner side. So it's a good idea to call and say, hey, what do you offer on ID theft insurance and monitoring services at the same time? All right, as we talked about last week on the podcast, you can take a bank account. So you have a, a FDIC insured savings account. Um, that's where you, you hold a bunch of your cash. And let's say it's just you. Um, you can actually add payable on death or transfer on death beneficiaries to your, let's say three kids. And you can increase the amount of FDIC insurance on that account just by having it transfer on death or payable on death by adding beneficiaries. So that's an option. Or by making sure if you have a living trust, let's say you have multiple children as beneficiaries in your living trust, that can also increase your FDIC insurance. And I wish... This was talked about more, and I think people would be less freaked out about spreading money around. Now, there's pros and cons of this. Transfer on death or payable on death and living trust, the main point of these is to, to reduce probate costs. 
if you die in the state of California with just a will and you got to wait for that time for, you know, to get in front of the probate courts and make sure that the court approves the distribution of assets that you have with, with or without a will. If you don't have a will, everybody has a will for you, right? Every state says where your money goes. But a will gives more specific directions. A trust avoids probate. Everything you want to have happen, it can happen more privately in the form of having a trust. And so a trust is a much better way to go in California. You know, like a state like Washington probate is not as big of a deal. So a lot of people can get by with just a will. But that doesn't help with FDIC, right? So your options are living trust or transfer on death. Both are ways to avoid probate. So if you have a bank account, a large bank account, say a half a million dollars, and you want to make sure that that goes to your kids um, when you pass away equally, you can go in and create transfer on death form and sign it, and that'll avoid probate. It won't go through the probate process. Now, there's a problem with that, though. Let's say your will, or if you have a trust, but you didn't register that account under the name of the trust, if, if that account ends up with a transfer on death, it's like if you have an annuity or a life insurance policy, an IRA that names specific beneficiaries, if that doesn't go through your estate, if it, if the taxable account is not registered to the living trust and instead you register it in your own name directly to the beneficiaries, even though you have a trust, essentially what can happen is nothing. <laughs> Whatever you've done in your living trust or in your will and you want X number of dollars to be distributed in a certain way, a certain amount to go to charity, you want you know, the assets to be divvied up, and you want your final expenses to be paid, your funeral costs, your tax return, your final tax return. When you pass away, there's got to be a final tax return that's filed in that year. And if your state's large enough, you file a 706 estate tax return as well. And if all of the money transfers on death out to your children and there's no money in the estate to do all that, it can create a problem. So both are ways to avoid probate. The better way to do it is a living trust. And when you do a living trust that says, here's all the things that I want to have happen when I die. Here's the people that step in to manage my assets if I become incapacitated. And once you create that, you can update it and amend it and change it anytime you want. It's a revocable living trust. So the idea is that any non-retirement accounts and real estate are all registered to the living trust. And that you know, states what happens. So if you want a, a, a good tax uh, estate package, right? And clients that have over $2 million with our firm, EP Wealth, get this as part of their service. You have a living trust. You have a will. And I know that sounds redundant, but essentially what that will says is if I forgot to register any accounts to the trust, do it upon my death. You have a healthcare directive, which determines how you want to be dealt with if you're incapacitated, you know, life support and all those types of things. And then you have a power of attorney, which is extremely important. And it's very important you update that and have a fresh one every couple of years because the power of attorney allows whoever you name as your financial agent to step in and deal with your accounts if you're incapacitated. And the trust does a little bit of that as well where it's you, but if you're incapacitated, somebody comes in and, and is the successor trustee. And so if you have a cognitive impairment or, or you're a health issue and you got two doctors saying, yeah, that's, you know, there's, there's an issue here, then the successor trustee can step in, but you need 
that's for the assets registered to the trust. Retirement accounts are often, you know, they can't be registered to the trust. That's in your name only. The beneficiary can be the trust, but you need a power of attorney to be able to deal with that. And most people, the majority of their assets are in their home and their IRA and 401k. The IRA and 401k, trust isn't going to help you. It's a power of attorney that will come in and be in place. So for those that are listening, they're still working, but you have elderly parents, you really need to make sure that they especially have a really good power of attorney and healthcare directive. Because this that's a quick meeting with an attorney or even, you know, somehow doing it online if if there's a financial issue or, you know, time issue. Because if your parents become incapacitated and then you have to step in and help handle their affairs and they don't have a trust and a power of attorney, then you're eventually having to go be appointed guardian by the courts. And you're talking about a lot of money and fees and time and waiting. Who's going to pay the bills in the meantime? Very, very difficult. Um, the thing that you don't also want to do is people shouldn't just say, oh, I need my kid to help me. So I'm going to make them a joint owner on my bank accounts. Well, guess who gets those accounts when you die? If you have three kids and one kid's the joint owner just so they can pay bills, that, that's not going to work out. Also, if you make them a joint owner, technically that's a gift. They could they could take the money and go. Um, there's all sorts of really bad things that can happen. You can make them authorized user or signer, but, you, but don't make them a joint person. Take some time to get that estate planning done, a trust, a will, a healthcare directive, a power of attorney. Figure out how you want to leave assets to your kids. In the trust, you can say, hey, I don't want my kids to receive all the money. They receive it over time with the help of a professional trustee and eventually become their own trustee. Lots of options there that you can make sure that money's protected long after you're gone. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at chadburton.com. Links to schedule an appointment, podcasts, downloadables. It's all at chadburton.com. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.